Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. So we talked about the heart, we talked about the mind, we've talked about the soul, and then today we're going to talk about that little thing that gets us all in a whole lot of trouble. Right, we're going to talk about the tongue today. Come on! And uh, so, how many you know? How many of you you've ever said something and you're like, "Oh, wish I could get that back." Right? Um, you know, sometimes you know one of the great things about um, posting things online and social media is is you can go back and edit what you said, you know, and uh, and you can delete things. Uh, but the problem is is uh, sometimes when you say things, you can't always go back and hit delete, right? And uh, so for the rest of our lives, we live with that. So today we're talking about the lengua, the tongue, right? Y'all all right? A little Spanish is about all I got, and uh, it's good. Let's talk about your tongue just for a minute. Your tongue has anywhere from 3,000 to 10,000 taste buds in it. Now, I'm, I'm on the upper end of that. I know that's a pretty big range, right? I'm on the upper end of that. I'm on the, like, the, the 10,000. Some of y'all who don't like stuff like mushrooms and onions and, and all those kind of glorious things, you're kind of a little bit on the lower end, I believe. Um, you know, the, the blue whale has the largest tongue among animals. The blue whale's tongue is, weighs about 2.7 tons. That's crazy. And uh, so it's just his tongue. And so, which is really metric tons. Tons. I don't know if that's the same as, as regular tongues. But, you know, we, we know that sticking your tongue out when you're a kid, right, we're taught you don't stick your tongue out at people. It's an insult. But did you know that in Tibet, it's actually a greeting to stick your tongue out at somebody and say, hey, what's up? You know, <laughs> and if you did that here, people would uh, freak out on you and probably call you uh, childish. There's some famous tongues, right? You guys know uh, famous tongues, right? We have some famous tongues. We got Gene Simmons over here. Uh, I remember is like, how many of y'all grew up like in the early, in the eighties, the early eighties, the late seventies. Some of us, I had a kiss lunch pail, so we all knew that was the tongue, right? All these, you know, he got tongue extensions. There were all these rumors. Michael Jordan, we all know that famous tongue. How many of y'all remember that? I mean, it's like when his game was on, when that tongue came out, you knew that, that it was on. It's go time. And then, of course, the Rolling Stones tongue. And then we have Einstein's tongue, uh, which is uh, probably the least famous of the others, but it came up. And there were some other ones on there, but I didn't think that ter- they were church appropriate. So, um Check this out. They came out with this device. We got this other picture up here. They, they came out with this device called the Licky Brush. Now, this is for real. Like, I researched it. It's a for real thing. And so for people that have cats. Now, first of all, if you have cats, I already question some things in your life. But if you want to lick your cat, I question it a little further. Now, I love you. I love you. I just, I don't really care for cats too much. I know kittens are cute, but the problem with kittens is kittens become cats. So that's the problem. Kittens, they're all cute. You know, they're fun to play with the laser pointers and all that kind of stuff. The problem is they become cats and they just don't benefit you in any way. Um, We know this is true, but they make this device called the licky brush that you can get online and you can order it so you can lick your cat. Like a comb. It's a comb. It's weird. Um, if you want that, then we're going to have special prayer for you at the end of service. Um, 
and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be ministering to some deep, deep core issues in your soul. <laughs> so, and if you have cats, uh, we'll, we'll see. All right, so moving right along, not, not hating on anybody that has cats. I had a cat growing up, and, uh, but I never wanted to lick my cat. I loved my cat. I really did. Its name was Fluffy. I mean, what a perfect name for a cat, right? Fluffy, and I loved that cat, but I never wanted to lick her. So <laughs> now when Scripture talks about your tongue, how many you know it's not talking about the tongue that you taste things with. Normally, when Scripture talks about our tongue, Scripture is talking about what we use with our tongue is one of the things that you use your tongue for is for speaking. So anytime Scripture uses the word tongue, it's talking about what we verbalize, the words that we use. Check, out, check this out, James chapter 3. Y'all all right today? Nobody's mad at me because I don't like cats, right? Okay, well, we can, we can pray together. All right, James chapter 3. When we put bits in the mouths of horses and make them them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. In other words, it makes a great difference. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. Hmm. It corrupts. Oh, here we go. The whole person. It corrupts the whole person. It sets the whole course of his life on fire, and it itself set on fire by hell. Come on, that's preaching. That's New Testament, by the way. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise. Thank you, Jesus, and cursing. How dare you? Idiot, moron. Come on. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers. This should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grape tree bear figs? Neither can a salt water produce fresh water. You know, words are weighty. Words carry a tremendous amount of weight. Jesus says it this way in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. He says, I tell you that, that men will give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. Ouch! Every careless word we have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. How do we come into the kingdom? By confessing with our mouth that Jesus is king. See, your tongue God's your life. The things that you say, come on, what you speak out will eventually lead your life. You lead your life by the way that you talk. We talk about all the time, uh, we, we try to minimize words, right? Sticks and stones might break your bones, but words in there. How many of you know that's not true? Somebody lied to you whenever you heard that, and you knew that because when they said something that hurt your feelings, you were like, it might not break my bones, but it crushes my soul. 
And I can never forget the things that were spoken to me. In fact, I can tell you today that, that there's things where people can physically hurt you and you were able to get over that. But there were things that were said to you that you can't get over. It's hard. Look at your neighbor and say, it's hard. We know that. Listen, we have to walk the walk and we must talk the talk. Come on. How many know that walking, like talking the talk is part of walking the walk? See, if, if, you say, if you call yourself a Christian and there's no talk behind that, there's no Christian talk behind that, there's no love coming from your lips, then it's just walk. It's got to have talking. You're not fully walking unless you're talking. So in order to walk the walk, you've got to talk the talk. Now, you don't just walkie-talkie. You're not just walking and you're not just talking. You're doing both. Talking is part of the walking. And let me say this, we, we have other little things that we say, actions speak louder than words. Yes, absolutely, but sometimes words speak louder than actions. Because sometimes, especially in, in our age, the day that, that, that we live in, the era that we live in, everybody's got a pulpit. Everybody's got a news channel. Everybody's got an audience. So somebody might not be able to see your actions, but they see your words. How many know that God has, when we talk about the word of God, we talk about God has the rhema, word of God, which is the spoken word, and then there's the logos, which is the written word of God. Sometimes the rhema is the logos being spoken. Are you with me? Did you know that you also have a rhema, the word that you speak, but you also have a logos, which is the word that you write? Come on. The life that comes out, from your hands on that little keyboard, right? And we've got to be careful because those are the things that people will remember. Those are the things that can bring healing and hope or despair and discouragement. We get to decide. And it's so important. I think right now during this day and age, we've got to be even more careful right now to watch what we are saying with our rhema and with our logos. We've got to be careful with the written word and with the physical word. So when we speak, first of all, we speak for we, what we speak for, right? There's the things that you speak for, right? How many of y'all are four things? When, when, you're, when you're in a relationship, right? Come on, that's what you speak for. All you can ever talk about, oh, man, you wouldn't believe her. You know, she's so amazing. Right? That's what you speak for, the things that you love, the things that you promote, the things that you are for. Uh, Proverbs uh, 10, verse 11 it says, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. The message translation says it this way. The mouth of a good person is a, is a deep, life-giving well. Your tongue is a life-giving well. You can, you can make somebody's day. Right? You can share the love of Jesus with someone. The greatest thing that you could ever tell somebody is the message of the gospel. When was the last time you gave some life-giving words? When was the last time you encouraged somebody with your words? When was the last time that you built somebody up with your words? This is what you promote. Sadly, in our culture, most of the promotion is talking about ourselves, what we think. Come on. And what we need to be doing is using our words, come on, whether it be the logos, right? Or the rhema, we need to be building people up. What we speak for, what we promote. There's also the things that we're against. That's what we protest. How many know that there are, you should be against things? There are things that we need to be against. We need to be passionately about, uh, against certain things. We should despise sin. 
Jesus was against things. He was very much against things. He was passionate against things. We can speak against ideas, but we don't speak against individuals. Let me get this with you right now. Why? Go back to the James passage. Because people are created in the image of God. How dare us praise God and curse men who have been made in his likeness. I don't care if they, they don't, you don't have to agree with them. They are made in the image of God. Well, you don't know this person. Listen, I don't know them, and you don't either. Most of the people that we speak against, come on, whether it be celebrity status people, whether it be preachers, famous preachers. Man, I read stuff all the time, people bashing preachers, people bashing celebrities, people bashing politicians. If they don't know personally, how dare you praise God and curse men who are made in God's likeness? Whoever it is, whether you're on their side of the aisle or not on their side of the aisle, it is not our job to use this thing to tear people down, but to build people up. Do we speak against ideas? Yes. We speak against the what's, but not the who's. We speak against ideas. We don't speak. Let me, and let me just say this on the things that we speak against. Remember mercy. Remember mercy. I've done some stupid things. I've said stupid things. I've tweeted stupid things in my life. Probably recently. And you know what I want? Whenever I do something stupid, I want mercy. Come on. How many of you want glad somebody gave you mercy when you said something stupid? When you did something stupid? We all are foolish. We have this fire that can't be tamed. And we've got to listen, more than ever, we've got to be so careful. We've got to be so careful. And remember mercy. Remember kindness. Remember Jesus. How would Jesus tweet? <laughs> so the first thing is what we speak for, what we promote, what we speak against, what we protest. And number three is what we speak the loudest. What we speak the loudest is what we personify. Did you know that and while we would, we would, you could also switch out the word loudest for most. What are you known for? What are you known for? The thing that you are loudest about. What consumes most of your conversation? When you're around your family, what comes out of your mouth? That's what represents you. If you're angry, if you're frustrated all the time, then you've got anger and frustration and tension built in your heart. Let's deal with those things. Let's talk about those things. Y'all okay? All right. Uh, let, me, let me say this about, about what we're the loudest in. Sadly, now listen, we're, if, 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 you, if you're in the camp of following Jesus, what we speak for must be decibels higher than what we're against. You've got to, listen, you've got to be against things. There are things, especially things that come into your own life. Come on. You've got to stand against sin. You've got to stand against hardness of heart. You've got to stand. You've got to have some protest inside of you. But I cannot tell you today that what you promote must always be louder than what you protest. Because that is what you personify. And do you want to be recognized as negative? No. Mm-mm. You want to be someone who strengthens people, that encourages people, that represents the Lord. There are things that you will speak against, absolutely. But where are you the loudest? 
That's what personifies you. Check this out. When we use, well, I'm, I'm going to read this to you just so I don't mess it up. We've been doing a lot of kind of little sciencey things during this uh, series, and it's been fun. When we use words filled with positivity, positive, positivity, when we use words full of, filled with positivity, we can alter how our brains function by increasing cognitive reasoning and strengthening areas in the frontal lobes. We talked a lot about this. We talked about our brain, that basically you have the, the main part of your brain is that ability to reason, right? So when you speak words, you actually alter your ability to reason. Listen, increasing cognitive cognitive reasoning and strengthening areas in our frontal lobes, that front part of the brain we talked about. Using positive words can kickstart the motivational centers of the brain, propelling them into action. When we use negative words, we are preventing certain neurochemicals from being produced, which contribute to stress. When we allow negative words and concepts into our thoughts, we are increasing the activity of our brain's fear center, causing stress-produced hormones to flood our system. These hormones and neurotransmitters interrupt the logic and reasoning process of the brain and inhabit, in, inhibit normal functionality. Angry words send alarm messages through the brain, and they partially shut down logic and reasoning centers located in the frontal lobes. So when we speak fearful things, when we speak anger things, what it does is it tells the reasonable part of your brain, shut it down. Remember, we talked about this when we talked about our brain. We're supposed to live from reason right? Not instinct. And so whenever we start acting out of fear, when we start acting out of anger, what happens is we're, we're tuning into Cro-Magnon man, right? You're living like an animal. We talked about this. You start living from that place and then you start being reactive. And so what we've got to do is we've got to train our brain by the things that we say and the way that we say things. Are you okay? This is why it's important. Listen, this is why it's important for you to get the Word of God and you to speak the Word of God, to memorize the Word of God, to speak the Word of God. Why? Because you want, you want your reasoning and you want your instincts to be like Jesus. Right? Don't, wouldn't it be awesome if instinctively when someone offended you, that you weren't reactive? Wouldn't it be awesome if you're like, man, I just want to love you? Wouldn't it be awesome? We're not like that. We're not there yet. But the only way we're going to get that is by building the truth of the Word of God into our brain. How do you do that? Well, one of the ways you do that is by speaking it. One of the ways that you do is by listening to that. And we're going to talk about the ears and the eyes next week. And uh, actually, going to incorporate some stomach as well. Check this out. Romans chapter 12. This is very, very good right here for you. Romans 12. Love must be sincere. I'm not loving you because I'm supposed to. I'm loving you because I love you. Right? Love must be sincere. Hate what? What? Not who. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. So he keeps going back. He's like, be passionate. Love what is good. Hey, what is evil? Yes, yes, yes. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Yes, be passionate. Yes, be loud. Love what is good. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, 
Faithful in prayer. Oh, come on. Hope, we talked about that. Patient, faithful, joyful, patient, faithful, joyful, patient, faithful. Y'all good? Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Be nice. <laughs> oh. Bless. Oh, here, here's where it gets hard. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Now, when Scripture talks about cursing, it's actually talking about degrading people with your tongue. It's not like witchcraft, cursing. We think, oh, I'm going to, you know, bring me, bring me 14 doves feet, you know, or something weird like that. Bring me cat tail, eight cat tails. I'm going to put a curse on you. No, when Scripture talks about cursing, most of the time, it's something that you're just saying to, to ins- a, a spiteful statement. So he says this, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. But that's so hard, right? I mean, who's going to defend me if I don't defend myself? Well, Lord. (laughs) Now, you know, we're talking about this in 2016. Like, I'm being persecuted because someone disagrees with me. We're, We're talking about something that's way worse than our culture. We're talking about a culture that's killing other believers. We're talking about they live in a culture that if you're doing what we're doing right now, people can walk in through the doors with swords and kill half of us and nobody blink an eye. Normal. And he's saying, if somebody ridicules you for your faith and they persecute you, they cut off your arm, you don't defend yourself. You bless them. Well, Lord... I need to pray more. Right? Oh, geez. I mean, this is real persecution. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Come on. Do not be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low positions. Don't be conceited. Verse 17. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful what you do, what is right in the eyes of everybody. Whoa. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In other words, work hard at being peaceful. Man, that's, that's good stuff, Apostle Paul. Come on. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Oh. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. And then he says this, and if, and if there's a, a motto that we can live by in the face of opposition, it's this right here. Be not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Our tendency is to overcome evil with evil. Someone says a bad thing to me, I'll fire back a bad thing at them. Our tendency is evil with evil. I don't like what you said. I don't like what you did. Let me tell you about it. And let me tell everybody else about it too. Well, how many know that nothing gets done that way? 
but overcome evil with good. If you disagree with somebody, serve them. It's right there. This is the narrow road, gang. This, but this is where the rub. This is this is this is really what it means to follow Christ. Not just fluffy clouds, rotten unicorns going through rainbows. Oh, we just love Jesus. It's all about me. It's not all about you. It's all about others. It's all about Jesus, and then loving others, and then yourself. We've got it totally backwards. Well, if Jesus just fits in, everybody kind of likes me, then we can get along. So how do we manage our tension? Because we do, right? We, we deal with things that we're dealing with it right now as a nation. We deal with things that are opposing us and we don't like, and I deal with it, and you deal with it, and we wrestle with it, and we're consumed with it, and we're like, what do I do? How do I deal with the tension? How? Let me help you today. Are you good? First of all, listen, number one, just because it's true doesn't mean it's not hurtful. Just because it's true doesn't mean it's not hurtful. Well, we should speak the truth. Yes, yes, we should speak the truth in love. We should speak the truth in a context that helps. Listen, we don't speak truth to accuse. Let me tell you, you're not a judge and jury in God's court. You're not. We don't speak words to accuse. We speak words to build. Check this out, Ephesians 4, verse 29. Y'all all right today? I was quiet. It's heavy. I, I know it's heavy. It just, and I, like, I have no, like, agenda. This is the word. Like, it's scam. I was like, oh, it's that week. Like, it's Thanksgiving week. We've got to, like, talk about our tongue. And we're going to get to that. But listen, Ephesians 4, 29. My, and let me just say this. I do have an agenda. My agenda is the kingdom. My agenda is the gospel. My agenda is the word of God. This is what I'm for. And this is for me, too, because I say stupid things all the time. All right. Amen, Leslie? All right. Ephesians 4.29, do not let any, how much? Any, unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not let any unwholesome communication come out of your mouth. One translation says, except for that which is useful for edification. Other words, I don't say anything that's going to tear people down. I don't, I don't say anything that's going to accuse others. What comes out of my mouth is for edification. It's for building others up. It's for showing and demonstrating the love of God. Well, and what we have, what we have in this, in, in our culture is this, our, our famous words, right? Honestly, just to be honest, do you want my honest opinion? Well, hopefully you're honest all the time. Normally when we say that, what we're about to say is, I'm about to say something that's offensive. And I want you to know it's offensive, and I'm very proud of being offensive. First of all, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God in due season. He will lift you up whenever he see fit. You just, your job is to remain humble. It's his job to exalt you. So don't tear other people down to make yourself look better. Listen, the need to verbalize is not more valuable than the people we are speaking of. Regardless who it is, your opinion is not more important than a person. Even if your opinion is right, even if what you're saying is truth, people are more important than what you're saying. 
Your honesty is not as important as that person that you're being honest about. Can we get this? I mean, Jesus could have said a lot of stuff about everybody because he knew the core of their heart. The rule is this. Will it help? This is the rule. Will it help? Well, what I'm saying, well, what I'm tweeting, what I'm reposting, what am I sharing, will it help? Probably not. Number two, contextualize being constructive. Okay, let me explain what that means. Complaints and criticism only work in the context of being constructive. Other words, if I go and eat at Chili's today for lunch, I'm not, probably not going to go to Chili's, but say I went to Chili's for lunch today, and it was the worst experience I've ever had in my life. Right? And I go, and I'm like, at the table, because we do this. Oh, my gosh. The service here sucks. I can't believe how bad it is. I don't know if, I don't know if we'll ever come back here again. Go home. Oh, my, that burger was so nasty. You know, all the worms and that stuff. What good does it do, the restaurant, to complain to my wife, to complain to my family, to complain to my friends about it? None. It doesn't do any good. What's better to do is go over and say, hey, man, can I talk to you for a minute? Hey, just want to let you know, man, just today was a little off. And then they're like, oh, here, give you some coupons for you to come back next time. You're like, yeah, cool. I mean, that's not why you're doing it. But, but there's a way to go about being constructive that only helps in that context. It doesn't help for me to get on Facebook, and I see people do this all the time. Don't go by the Chili's on Carrier Parkway, because if you go there, there's going to be hair in your food, blah, 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 blah. Wow, thanks. Thanks for helping. What have you done? You've just been critical. That's all you've done. You have not been constructive. Well, it's the truth. It doesn't matter. It's not helping. Truth only works if it's in the right place. I mean, we see this as a parable of the sower. Come on. Um, I love what Bill Johnson said. He says, complaining is to the devil what praise is to God. Whew. Come on. And listen, can I tell you this? You don't have to know somebody to be a gossip, to gossip about them. How many times do we gossip about people we don't know? We do it to celebrities all the time. Oh, can you believe this person? You're still gossiping even though you don't know that person. What is gossip? Gossip, well, it's true. Listen, gossip is saying anything negative about a person that you are not ta- when you are not talking to that person. Or passing along information. The matter might not be accurate. Listen, it doesn't have to be a rumor for it to be gossip. Rumor means it's not true that what you're saying. Gossip can be true. Gossip's just negative information. Well, just so everybody knows, just so everybody knows your opinion, because your opinion is more important than that person's value. You represent Jesus in his kingdom. May I remind you, saints. And let me say this gossip is a sin. Complaining is a sin. It's draining, and it's a sin. Now what we're getting into, and I posted this this week, I'm complaining about the complainers who are complaining. We're all complaining about something. Complaining is draining. Complaining does no good. It doesn't make, you think it makes you feel better, but it really doesn't. All right. And let me say this also about gossip. Don't be a bendable ear. If someone comes to you with gossip, you say, Have you talked to that person about it? Because it only works in the proper context. 
Well, you wouldn't believe what Pastor Josh said today. You know what he said? And I heard that he's got like four cats. He's, he's talking about cats. What a hypocrite. Have you talked to him about that? So when and, and let me you know what I've noticed? I, I noticed that the gossipers gossip together. So people keep coming to you to gossip, first thing you need to go is, what's wrong? Why do they keep coming to me? When someone comes to you, your reaction is this. When gossip comes to you, you go, have you talked to that person about it? Nathan wore a hat in your worship today. Nathan, have you talked? Do you have a problem with him wearing a hat in your worship? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Have you talked to him? No. Why are you telling me? Come on. Have you talked to that person? So when somebody comes to you and it's negative concern, now there's good gossip like this. Man, Nathan looks so awesome today. You see he's playing the bass? I didn't really play the bass. That's awesome, man. That's good. That's, that's good stuff. When somebody's like, hey, he just really sucked at the bass. Have you talked to him about that today? Check. Uh, you know what it says in Matthew 5, 24, Jesus says this. He says, listen, if you're coming uh, to the place of worship and you're worshiping God, and you have a fence in your heart towards another brother, leave your gift at the altar, leave it there, and go and reconcile with your brother. In other words, God does not accept your worship. He wants the demonstration of your love. He wants reconciliation. It's always God's heart, all right? Um, Matthew 5, 24, if you want to look that up. Number three, venting fuels. Vent, listen, venting does not help. Well, I, I just need to vent. Can I share with you some things? Uh, have you talked to the Lord about it? If you're going to vent, vent to the Lord. Uh, listen, we are not entitled to vent. In fact, the more you talk about the tension, the more it builds. It does not help. Vomiting might make you feel better. Right? You have a stomach ache. You, have, you ate something bad. Puking may make you feel better, but it leaves a mess. And some of you just, bleh, bleh. stop puking. Practice restraint. Uh, well, I, I just don't agree with that. Listen, Proverbs 29, 11. I'm just so mad. Listen, Proverbs 29, 11. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. The King James Version says it this way. A fool utters his whole mind. Well, I'm just going to tell you what's on your, my mind. Maybe you don't need to say what's on your mind. Maybe you need to say what needs to be on your mind, and maybe your mind will change. How about that? Maybe I need to do that. All right, number four. And listen, this, I, I, I know it sounds like I'm preaching at you today. I'm preaching with you. We've got to be better, Josh Brown included. I've got to be better about the way I use my words. Some of you are like, Amen. I was just telling sister so-and-so about that. <laughs> I know. Number four, respond, don't react. Well, I am responding. They said something. What did it just talk about? If they persecute you, how do you respond? You don't react, right? That's what animals do. Animals react, but you have a brain, which you talked about. Some of y'all weren't here. You need to go back and listen to that. You have a brain that allows you to reason and process information so you don't have to react. You can actually respond. He said, well, I'm just responding. No, you're reacting, and you're an adult. I think everybody in here is an adult. 
couple of babies. We expect them to react. First Peter 3.9, do not repay evil for evil. Do not retaliate. Listen, do not retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. Oh, well, that's hard. I know. It's the narrow way. This is what God has called you to do, and he will bless you for it. He will bless you for it. You might not get the instant gratification, but God will bless you. Number five is understand context. Trying to get through this. Y'all all right? I know it's an no fun. Not for me either. Understand context, number five. Listen to understand, not to accuse. Many times what we do with information is we use it as bullets, right? Oh, it's information. I'll put that right here. I'll say, I'll say that in my favorites. So next time I'm on Facebook in a debate, I could share that. Bullets. Listen to understand, not accuse. It's called mercy. And we live in this. We're talking a lot about this today because it's where we live. We live in a soundbite world. We live in a soundbite world that says if someone talks for 60 minutes, I'm going to take a 30-second thing that they said and turn it around and make it say something it totally isn't. The media does this all the time. On both sides, by the way, come on. Yeah, all, all, all the media does it. Don't say, well, it's the liberal media. It's, it's all, all the media. All the media. I'm telling you, all the media. All the media does this. We do best just to unplug. All the media does it. Left side, right side, it doesn't matter. They, they all do it. They're all saying things, pulling it out of context. And people do that with the Lord, too. And people do it with you. And so remember mercy when you hear a statement that was said in a message. Don't just take a page out of the book. Before you can ever justify, before you can ever judge properly, which we are called to judge what is said, we're not called to condemn it, but we're called to judge it. But before you judge a book, you don't just read the cover. Or you don't just read page 89 when there's 400 pages. And I see people do this all the time towards preachers, towards ministries. Or, well, they said this. I'm like, did you listen to the whole message? I don't have to. Yes, you do. You do have to. Because this is the way of Christ. Let me, let me show you something very powerful I thought of this week. Jesus said, sin, go and sin. Let's put this up. John chapter 8, verse 11. Go and sin. There it is, guys. Go and sin. Jesus said it. You can do that. Right? I mean, Jesus said it. It's his words. Let's go and sin. Okay. Is that what Jesus said? But it is. It's right there. You can read it in your Bible. Jesus said, go and sin. No, check it out. Look. Jesus said this, go and sin no more. So you met those two little words right there make all the difference in the world. Go and sin or go and sin no more. Go and sin no more is what Jesus said. This is exactly what we do all the time. And I know we're using the words of Jesus and we're super careful with that. But can I tell you that people have been made in his likeness. So you get the full story. Y'all all right? And listen, our conversation the same way. We get in conversation sometimes with one another, and we say one little thing, and someone goes, oh, well, you said this. I'm like, well, you don't remember like the other 90% of the things I said. You missed my heart because you weren't listening to understand. You went in with an offended heart. Reason. Let's sit down. Let's have a conversation. This is the way that we live in community together. What we do nowadays is just, well, I'm just not going to be in a relationship with them anymore. Well, yeah, that's the plan of God. I don't think, I don't get this. 
We're called together because we're better together. And we said this earlier, and I'm going to enter into this piece, and y'all just hold with me. I want to get through this because this is the most important thing because I focused a lot on the negatives. But listen, what we should be the loudest in is in our praise to God. And this is what he says. He says, blessing and cursing should not flow from the same thing. What should we be the loudest in? We should be the loudest in our praise. We should be the loudest in the boasting of our God. We should be the loudest in what God has done and what God is doing and what God is going to do. This is where we should be the loudest. This is where we should turn up the volume. This is where we should turn up the heat, start declaring what God's saying, start declaring the nature of God, start declaring the gospel, start declaring the gospel, start declaring the kingdom. There's so much sickness in the world. Jesus is the healer. We're good at pointing out problems. But our greatest solution is our praise. Pastor Nathan shared it just a few minutes ago during worship. This scripture right here in, in Psalm 22.3. Listen, our praise possesses power. Our praise possesses power. There is power in your tongue. There is power. In, when, you, when we sing these songs, we're not just coming to be like, oh, come on. Yeah, let's, 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 let's sing so we can get ready for worship. No, no, we praise because praise is powerful. Because praise changes the atmosphere. And it says this in, in the scripture right here that Nathan was referencing, is that God is enthroned in the praises of Israel. What does that mean? Well, if you were here last week, we talked about this, that when God sits, it means order is brought out of chaos. So what happens is when we're dealing with frustration and we're tentious and we're like, oh, what's going on? What's going on? I need something powerful to get breakthrough. We go, Lord Jesus, you are king of all. And you know what happens when you get your praise on? The scripture says that he is enthroned. That means that he comes down and he goes, he walks into the room of where you're at and he goes, oh yeah. I'm right here with you. And guess what? I'm the king. And when the king sits down, order comes. Praise brings power. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do with all this tension. You praise the Lord. You praise the Lord. That's how you unlock that door. When he sits, he gets things in order. He sits and he goes, the king is here. And we're like, Lord, 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 Lord. He's like, look at me. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've accomplished. Isn't it good? Number two, praise produces peace. Everybody say peace. Everybody say power. Everybody say peace. Listen, what peace does, when it, what praise does is when we focus on the Lord and we channel our energy, if you will, let me use a weird term. When we switch our focus from our problems and the difficulties and our stress and other people, and we go, Lord, it brings a peace because he is the prince of peace. And when he sits on the throne, he establishes peace. He makes all things right. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. We're called to peace. How do we get peace? We get him in the room. How do we get him in the room? We praise him and be thankful. It gets your eyes off the problem. It gets your eyes off the situations, the circumstance. It puts your focus on him, and he establishes peace. Let the word of Christ dwell in, you, dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another in wisdom, as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. You go, Lord, the world's a mess. And he's like, look at me. Lord, you're beautiful. Lord, your, Lord, your kingdom knows no end. It is not about today. It's about forever. 
That's how we let peace rule and reign. Number three is praise precedes victory. See, it's easy to get our shout on once we won. You ever watch those football games whenever a team's behind and they start developing a little momentum? And what happens to the crowd? Right? They start going, yeah! Right? They're shouting louder than when if the team was winning. What is happening? They're building that moment. It's the same way with you. Listen, I'm telling you, I have a preacher friend that I follow on Facebook. He said, he said this. He said, there's two times to praise, when you feel like it and when you don't. There's two times to shout. Some of you need to get your shout back. You come into worship on me like, well, it's just not my personality. Listen, Scripture's not based on your personality. It's telling you this is the way you get the victory. I guarantee you when the children of Israel were marching around Jericho, and they let up that shout, I guarantee you there were some introverts there being like, well, it's not really my personality. <laughs> Man, I didn't know I had it in me. <laughs> well, I feel good. Yeah. And you're just like, whoa, what's happening? You're releasing the power of praise. The king's coming in the room. You're getting me on yourself. He's breaking down walls. Praise precedes victory. It goes after too, but it precedes victory. Listen, if you want to have victory in your life, you better learn to celebrate before you see the victory. It says in Isaiah 54, it says, sing, O barren woman. You're barren? Sing. Sing like a pregnant. Rejoice like a woman who just got the the little blue line or whatever color line it is. Woo! Lord Jesus, let's look and see what. Woo! It's negative, but we don't put our trust in what we see. We put our hope in the Creator. We put our affections on Him. We put our emotions on Him. He is the volume of our life. Loud, shy, extrovert, introvert, praise. Let everything praise. Praise doesn't mean sitting on your butt, internal in your heart. It's demonstrative. So how do we put our praise together? Real real quick, three things. His purposes. What is it? What are his, his purposes are good. His intentions are good. Number two, his promises, his guarantee. We've talked about that. And number three, his providence. That he's got it. That he is, that my God is in charge. And listen, when you're going through the difficulty, just remember that, that you serve a good God. That he provides good things, and that he is good enough and in charge of your life. He is in charge. That's how we put our praise together. In the midst of difficulty and frustration. He's, He's good, his promises are true, and he takes good care of me. Listen, sometimes that's all you got. Sometimes that's all you got. He's good. His promises are true. And he's got good things for me. And he takes good care of me. Sometimes that's all you got. But I'm telling you, if you learn to get the shout when you don't have it, you'll have it when you get it. And you'll have it long after. And you'll bring a lot more hope to the world. I would would encourage you over these next seven days, we started a campaign. Uh... Gosh, it's been probably eight, eight or nine years ago. It was before everybody was, you know, let's do a month challenge of being grateful. But, but, I, but I challenge you to take seven days. We call it seven days of gratefulness. 
We have a little website built for it if you want to go there. You can just do it on your own. But basically, you're committing to three things. First of all, I'm not going to complain for seven days. I'm not going to complain about anything. I'm not going to complain about my wife, how late she sleeps. I'm not going to complain about my burrito not having enough beans in it. I'm not going to complain about anything. This is hard. Come on. Number two, I'm going to express gratitude daily. That every day I'm going to count my blessings. And, I, and listen, it might just be, Lord, you are good. Your intentions are good. Your promises are true. And you're in charge. It might only be that. But every day you express some sort of gratitude. And third of all, you share gratitude. That you don't just walk around in your heart and go, oh, I'm just so encouraged today. I'm just grateful for Jesus. But you actually tell somebody, man, isn't God so good? Man, the world's falling apart. You know the world is falling apart, but there's hope because there's this man, Jesus, that 2,000 years ago, he gave his life for mankind, that they could have an eternal home in heaven. That's good news. That's the gospel, that God is good. I got, I, man, the world is falling apart, but you know what? I got a good father. The world's been far worse than it is right now. Can I tell you that there's a man who sits on the throne who rules and reigns with fire in his eyes and passion in his heart for people. And his name is Jesus. That's good. That's something good. Man, I'm just so glad that God provided for me this week. I got a new job. Express that gratitude. Don't just be grateful. Share gratefulness. This is what it says right there in that scripture that we talked about in Colossians. Teach and admonish one another. You sing songs and hymns. Sing a song. Some of you shouldn't, but you should. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Do it in the car. The window's up. You know who you are. Come on. It's okay. You got to learn. Listen, you got to learn to sing. Even if it's not good, God likes it. You just got to learn to sing. You just got to learn to do it. And it might not sound good. It might not sound good. But but you still need to do it. You still need to sing. I know. I know. All right. So do that. Do that with us if you would like. Listen, for the next seven days, say, you know what? I'm going to do this. And you watch. You watch the peace of God rule and reign. You watch it. And we're going to pray right now, and this is, this is the scripture I want to pray over you. Psalm 141.3, it says this, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips.